0: Hello, and welcome to my podcast. If you haven't been here before, my name is Judy Fitzgerald, and I am a 10-year breast cancer survivor. I am not a medical professional, nor do I claim to give any medical advice. I am merely here to provide education and support for women and men facing this horrible disease we know as breast cancer. I now serve as one of three breast cancer advocates on the phase one clinical trials of a breast cancer vaccine being developed at the Cleveland Clinic under direction of Dr. Vincent Tuohy. For more information on this trial and the vaccine, as well as many other resources which can help you through your journey, please visit my website at www.sistersforprevention.com. So hello again, and welcome back. In my last podcast, I discussed the first few days after my mastectomy, uh, pain management, and the lovely maintenance of those objects we call drains, which are the biggest challenge, in my opinion, of those first few days after mastectomy. So by this point, I had already started doing research on diet and lifestyle changes that I could be making to help ensure that my cancer would not recur and I'll be covering those in other podcasts as well. But today I'm going to talk about my first visit with my oncologist and the emotional and and physical challenge that I felt was an integral part of this period of my recovery. This was the first time I would meet my oncologist, and I'm going to leave her name out for the purpose of, of this podcast. But I was being treated at the Dana Farber Cancer Institute in Boston, in their specialized breast cancer breast cancer center. So today I would find out about my surgical pathology. Um, I have a whole nother podcast talking about the biopsy or the which is referred to as the clinical pathology or the pathology that had diagnosed my disease so this pathology that I would receive the results from was the analysis of both breast both breasts and the entire breast tissue so this would be the time where I would find out if my decision to have a double mastectomy was was the correct one. Mentally, at this point, I really felt like for me it would, no matter what the pathology would show, that it would be the right decision because I couldn't at that point imagine going through the mastectomy again should I have only had one side and then have had issues on the right side, but also... The mental challenge of waiting, so, for so to speak, for the other shoe to drop. I'm going to summarize my pathology report here. Uh, There is, I have a whole podcast on breast cancer terms, but I'm going to review a few terms here before I discuss my pathology. So, DCIS or ductal carcinoma in situ is Cancer that is in the ducts that has not yes yet invaded the surrounding breast tissue. Lobular carcinoma in situ, or LCIS, is cancer that's in the lobules and this is also considered non invasive and has not left the ducts. Invasive ductal carcinoma is cancer that has filled the ducts, and then escaped into the nearby breast tissue. And lobular carcinoma, invasive lobular carcinoma, would be lobular breast cancer that had escaped and had then gone into the surrounding breast tissue. So the summary of my pathology was, in the left breast, uh, they were discovered two types of cancer it was LCIS, or lobular carcinoma in situ, and the most problematic one was invasive ductal carcinoma. Uh, The tumor of the invasive ductal carcinoma actually was measured at 1.8 centimeters, which was an increase from what they had thought from the sonogram. They had estimated that 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 my tumor was 1.2 centimeters. It could have grown a little bit in the month that uh, that I waited for my surgery, but they felt that in this particular case, it probably was that original size, because my tumor cells were well differentiated, which means they were very slow-growing so the thought was that perhaps just the sonogram had not picked up the entire area. The good news was that I was HER2 negative or HER2 negative. HER2 cancers are considered more aggressive. Thankfully, at the time, had I been HER2 positive, there was a numerical drug called Herceptin, which was in Phase four clinical trials. And just available but I was hurt I was ER and PR positive so both my hormone receptors were positive and in fact they discovered that my estrogen status was quite high so that meant that my tumor was was being aggressively fed by the hormone estrogen in the right breast I had two kinds of non-invasive cancer. I had both ductal and lobular carcinoma in situ. Now with lobular carcinoma, they have found that for whatever reason, there is a tendency if there's some in, the, in one breast that it could be at the exact spot in the other breast. This is called mirror cancer. As they discovered the lobular carcinoma in situ in the right breast, which hadn't shown up on the mammogram, or the sonogram, that um, or the MRI for that matter, this was sort of the most convincing argument for the mastectomy on the right side. Now, the sentinel nodes were all negative, thank goodness. That would be a key determining factor in the way forward. Now, the funny thing is that um, my oncologist said, well, the bad news is that you have breast cancer, but the good news is that you have good breast cancer, if there is such a thing. In my mind, that's a complete oxymoron. So the way forward was going to be that because my sentinel nodes had been negative, there was no suspicion that the breast cancer had gone uh, into the lymphatic system, I was then a candidate for the Oncotype test, which again, I have a complete podcast on this test, which meant my tumor would be sent out for genetic testing. And if my score was low on the Oncotype, Onco meeting cancer. And Oncotype score means the epigenetics of the tumor, an indication of an aggressive cancer or a slow-growing cancer and a measurement of the likelihood that the cancer would recur. So I would have to wait for that t- for that test to come back to decide if I would have chemo or not. In the past, all stage one breast cancers were given chemotherapy as a precaution but had been discovered that these were this was not necessarily, A helpful practice since if the cancer had not progressed into the lymphatic system, then there was no need for chemotherapy. And in fact, if chemotherapy was administered, then in the future, if that chemo was needed, it would no longer be an option. The end result was that I would have to wait another week to 10 days to decide whether or not I would have chemotherapy. So I call this period chemo limbo because I had no idea whether or not I was going to be having chemotherapy. The other situation that needed to be addressed was the fact that my cancer was extremely sensitive to estrogen. I had a a high estrogen level reading as I was premenopausal The solution would be that I would receive Lupron shots periodically to curtail my ovaries from producing estrogen. Uh, If this did not prove successful, then I would end up having my ovaries removed. It was also decided that regardless of what the oncotype test said, that I would be receiving uh, tamoxifen, for at least five years as an adjuvant therapy to also help with uh, reducing uh, the estrogen in my body um, as well. Stress is sort of... Stress is a term that doesn't even do this period of time justice. It, it's, I remember it as just walking around in a fog just trying to get through the day. Um, following my oncology appointment, re- the relief was that I went to visit my plastic surgeon, and she was able to remove the remaining drains, which was a huge uh, step forward into my pain management. Again, removing the drains, which is, was quite ominous to me, Uh, I was advised to take a deep breath, close my eyes, and then blow out my breath as they removed the drains. And that worked incredibly, as I had no pain at all when the drains were removed, which was indeed something that I had been dreading. When I got home that day, my mom had come to stay with us to help with my recovery, and we used one of the shampoo caps that I had been given in the hospital to freshen up um, my hair. I had not had my hair washed since the mastectomy. And just having my hair washed and taking another sponge bath, now that the drains were out, um, was an incredible relief. I would now begin my challenge of survivorship. And the thing about surviving breast cancer is that you never move past the idea that even I am now 10 years out, it's always in the back of your mind with every little ache or pain, is this it? Has it come back? But I will tell you that it gets easier as time goes on and you become more normal. But at this period, in your recovery it's okay to feel emotional and it's okay to cry and it's okay to just want to close your eyes and to go into somewhere else I did do meditation therapy and I also sought some relief from Reiki that was something actually that Dana Farber also made available but since I was so far from the hospital I did seek it From my local community. At this point, I also felt I needed some more help, and I did seek some counseling and was given a prescription for Effexor. It was a very low dose, but I just needed something to take the edge off. The thing about taking anxiety medicine is it doesn't stop you from worrying, but it does let you cope with it and not think of it every minute and every day. It, it does help you to, to know that it's there, but you're able to put it aside and go on with your daily life. So anyone who is feeling that way, feeling that you do need some help, I highly suggest that you ask for the help. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just a part of the healing process. And you really want to take any stress away from your body possible because that's a key ingredient into being able to heal and to move forward. So I'll leave you with that thought from this podcast. I hope this has helped you to understand that you're not alone that what you're feeling is quite normal and that life will never be the same but eventually it can get better in my case the people that I've met on my journey and the things that I've been exposed to or something that I wouldn't give up for anything. Of course, I would have given up the cancer, but there are better days ahead. The best way I can describe survivorship was something I read by another breast cancer sister, and she said, quite frankly, that the only way to know if you've survived cancer is to, to learn that you died from something else. Well, none of us want that to happen. I no longer refer to myself as a survivor. I refer to myself as Ned, no evidence of disease. And that's the way I want to keep it. So please remember that there are a lot of resources available on my website, www.sistersforprevention.com topics that I'll cover in my podcast are there in my blog. You can also access my podcast from the website and read about the latest information on the breast cancer vaccine and the trial to begin soon in 2021. So in the meanwhile, I wish you health, happiness, and hope. And thank you for listening. Bye for now.